Dr. Ramsey Baroud, thanks so much for joining us today. We speak to you in grave circumstances with the people of Gaza under sustained artillery and aerial bombardment, with the possibility of a ground invasion still looming as we record this interview. Any notion this is not an attack on civilians by definition is, of course, a nonsense, given Gaza is the most densely populated part of the world. Paint a picture for us of what is happening in Gaza right now in terms of the true nature of the suffering of the civilian population, a population, of course, already under the strictures of an illegal occupation and now facing the terror of one of the most destructive armies in the world. Um, Absolutely. Um, Thank you very much for having me and and for covering this critical and important issue. Uh, What's happening in Gaza is what has been happening in Gaza for many years, and we have been speaking out and we have been pleading to the world to please come to the rescue of of the besieged Palestinians. They have been under a hermetic Israeli siege for about 15 years uh, now, and during those years there's been repeated wars and massive destructions in Gaza, thousands dead, tens of thousands wounded, and every attempt at breaking the siege has failed. It has failed because Gaza stood alone all of this time. There was very little solidarity really coming internationally that that was enough to make a difference. Um, This time, however, it is different. It is different because it was Gaza that rose in solidarity with Palestinians who were being ethnically cleansed uh, from their occupied uh, city of East Jerusalem, uh, coming to the rescue and in solidarity with the Palestinian citizens of today's Israel, and all Palestinians throughout all of Palestine, not just occupied the occupied territories, but historic Palestine, today's Israel, are all rising in unison in solidarity with one another. Now we are watching, as I'm talking to you, and I'm muting my TV, just watching the bodies of Palestinian children being pulled out from the rubbles of their home in the Shija'iya neighborhood, in the Zaytun neighborhood, in the Jabalia refugee camp, in various parts of Gaza, children, women, old men. We don't really see any fighters in any of these scenes. They are targeting civilians. They are trying not just to destroy the civilian infrastructure, but they are trying to terrorize the civilians so that this would put pressure on Palestinians who are fighting back to stop their fight. It's just the nature of the Israeli aggression against the Palestinians. It's been taking place for such a long time. It is so predictable what they are doing. And of course, you you see them on mainstream corporate media screaming about Israel being a victim and Israel being terrorized by the hordes of Palestinians and so forth and so on. And nothing could possibly be further away from the truth. Palestinians are in state of self-defense. They are an occupied nation. They are living under a system of apartheid and racial discrimination. Even the Human Rights Watch, even Israel's own uh, 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 rights group, their largest rights uh, group organization, Big Salem, has recently came up with a report saying Israel, all of Israel, not just in the occupied territories, but all of Israel, is an apartheid state from the river to the sea. So this is the reality that Palestinians have to contend with, and they are paying the price for it. And until we wake up to this reality, Palestinians will continue to pay the price for it. As you say, Dr. Barut, all of this is depressingly predictable, and there's an overwhelming sense in which this is Groundhog Day, really, whether we are talking about the attacks of 2008-9, the so-called Operation Cast Lead, when up to 1,500 Palestinians were killed, 
or the assault of 2014 or so many other waves of indiscriminate attack over many decades, it seems the Palestinian people are living through an endless cycle of oppression and perhaps worse still, an endless cycle of their heroic resistance being at best, and you mentioned this, grossly misrepresented by a transparently biased mainstream media. What will, it's a big question, but what will break this cycle? What can possibly break this historical impasse? You know, if you asked me this question um, perhaps a week ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, I would be befuddled. I don't know how to, you know, how, how would it be possible to answer that? since all the odds were stacked against the Palestinians. They were disunited. They were ge- geographically and geopolitically disjointed. They were divided at every possible level. But now my answer would be different. Now there is a well-defined Palestinian nation. Not Pal- Israeli Arabs, not Palestinians of Gaza, not West Bankers, not people in Jerusalem. Palestinians in the entirety of this piece of land, call it Palestine, call it Israel, call it whatever you want to call it, but they are a Palestinian people and they are rising together, Christians, Muslims, their supporters from all over the world, rising together and they are defining their destiny. They are formulating a new political discourse, a new national agenda with new terminology, new narrative, entirely new narrative. We are at the cusp of history. History is being made. Let's not confuse the scenes that are coming out of Gaza and all these poor children and, and, and their families perishing under the wreckage of their home. Let's not assume that this means that it's business as, you, as usual. Something has entirely shifted on the part of the Palestinians. Now, that doesn't in any way preclude that this will be, that there will be international solidarity. This is, this is our job. This is our job in the rest of the world, from Australia and New Zealand to the United States to, to South Africa to Brazil, is that we need to add our voices to the voices of the Palestinian people and say it is time to respect international law. It is time to end the Israeli occupation. It is time to dismantle apartheid. But the Palestinians themselves have made their, they've done their job. Their job is to be united as a people and to speak in one voice. And they are doing exactly that. I want to focus now, Dr. Baroud, on the specificity of Israel's targeting, of course, as per usual, the Israeli Hasbara or propaganda is that these uh, specific targets only on militants, on Hamas members firing rockets. And yet we've seen quite brazen attacks on multi-storey residential apartments. And the latest news as of this morning at Perth time is that a multi-storey media building, in fact, the second media building, has been attacked, and this building housed Al Jazeera and the Associated Press. Dozens of women and children have been killed. So talk to us in a little more detail about some of the destruction that's taken place. Um, right. Um, in, in the last war, in 2014, it took Israel... Um, Israel was quite progress, kind of like progressed in the way that they targeted these, these towers. And these towers exist in Gaza not because of a massive amount of wealth, but because Gaza is a very, very tiny space. So in order for people to expand, there are 2 million people living within less than 365 square kilometers. So they have to build these residential towers in order for them to create space for the expanding and trapped 
population. So you can imagine that these towers are very, very populated. Now, the problem is, in, in, in the previous war, Israel used to send warnings sometimes through telephone calls or sometimes they would throw through small, you know, hardly enough, small missiles or rockets at the roofs of these houses as an indication that the entire house is going to be demolished or the entire tower is going to come crumbling down within five minutes. People would rush out of their homes and they would watch their home just being destroyed before their eyes. They stopped doing that. They are no longer doing that practice. This is why the, the civilian casualties is rising significantly. And as we speak, they just pulled uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, remains of, of entire families out of, of the Washida Street in central Gaza. Children, women, and men, no warning, nothing. So the idea, the, the, the reason they are doing this, and the reason specifically that they are, why they are targeting media organizations, number one, they don't want the news and the reality of this massacre in Gaza to, be, to beam across the world. They don't want the Associated Press, they don't want Al Jazeera, they don't want anybody to be reporting on these atrocities. Number two, they are trying to send a message to the Palestinian people that they want, they want to break them down. They want to break their spirit with the hope that there, that there will be in, enough tragedy that Palestinians will stop resisting. That's the Israeli tactic. That has always been the Israeli tactic. But from a Palestinian point of view, it will not work. Number one, if it, if, if it had any chances of ever working, it would have worked in the past, but it failed. The second element is that Gaza has been under siege. The water is polluted. The electricity outages last for about 18 to 20 hours per day. People are dying from the lack of medicine. Cancer patients cannot access life-saving medications. In other words, dozens were dying anyway. They were dying from polluted water, from diarrhea, from easily treatable diseases, and they were dying from cancer and the coronavirus with very little access to medicine. And, and so for them right now, it's either freedom or nothing. Because what other option do they have? The status quo is not a livable status quo. What existed prior to this war what, was equally grim, was, it was equally tragic. So they are not aspiring. Let's go back to the state of siege. There, there's no, no Gazan is prepared for that. It's either the world wakes up to this tragedy and do something about it, or we are just going to carry on fighting. Dr. Baroud, you are the editor of the Palestine Chronicle and therefore someone very much with the expertise and in a position to comment with authority on something I mentioned earlier, which is the grotesque and transparent pro-Israeli bias of the mainstream media. That's certainly true here in Australia and indeed throughout the Western world. It seems a Herculean task, perhaps even an impossible task, but how can supporters of the Palestinian struggle, both activists and concerned listeners alike listening to this interview, begin to shatter and undermine that bias to get the truth of what is happening to larger numbers of people? The best way of doing this, let's not beg and, and plead with Western media, the Western corporate, mainstream media, to help us out. Because if they do, if they do stand up for what is right, if they do speak um, out on behalf of Palestinians, they wouldn't be doing their job. In, in other words, it, their mission is screwed from the very beginning 
to promote bias and propaganda and to serve the interests of those in power. Not, not the children of Jabalia. The children of the Jabal, of Jabalia refugee camp in Gaza are not shareholders in the big corporations in, in Australia and the United States and Canada. That will not happen. But what we need to do, two things. Number one, we still have to hold them to account. We still have to fight the bias and the propaganda and the racism and the deception and the sheer lies. We can't just let them off the hook easily. But equally important, if it's not even more important, we need to create alternative platforms. This tiny little online newspaper that we are running, the Palestine Chronicle, we have a minuscule budget. It's embarrassingly minuscule, and the number of people involved are so very few, and most of us are volunteers. Yet we are able to reach 100,000 people just through the English website alone. Well, we have French websites. We have translations. We have social media presence that's massive. So in other words, I'm not going to be sitting here calling CNN, waiting for someone to get my call. But rather, we are pushing our alternative agenda, our alternative narrative, the narrative of truth on Palestine and the Palestinian people. I encourage everyone to become himself or herself a a messenger of of truth. Use whatever platform you're able to create and possess to promote the right ideas and the truth about what is happening in Palestine. Support your alternative media, support your alternative radio station, support Palestinian voices, create platforms for Palestinian voices, and we are together making a massive difference. An inspiring message, Dr. Baroud, and one that certainly echoes here at the Indy Media Show. I want to end on another positive note. You spoke before about the heroic resistance of the Palestinian people. We have also seen in the last decade or so the continuing rise with breakthroughs here and there of the international solidarity movement. I'm far from the only commentator who has made the observation that international public opinion is shifting in favour of Palestinian self-determination, in large part thanks to the effectiveness of the boycott, divestments and sanctions campaign, which calls for all manner of economic pressure to be placed on the State of Israel. But will that shift in public opinion be enough? And what further steps are required, specifically from the international solidarity movement, to advance the struggle outside the borders of Palestine? Right. So we are registering a massive shift and change in the right direction. You know, we're, we're, every minute there is something that is astounding that's happening. I'm, I, I've been checking out Twitter and, and social media throughout the whole day. There, there, there are game, game software companies that have nothing to do with politics or Palestine and Israel raising money for the Palestinian Red Cross and the Palestinian Red Crescent. Um, celebrities, athletes actors and actresses speaking out and getting away with it, which is unprecedented in the past when anyone spoke out for Palestine. They would be named and shamed and they would become under intense attacks. And many of these celebrities would take, take their words back in order for them to save their careers. This is no longer the case. People are speaking out openly and their numbers are growing every single day. And that, that is massive. Now, we haven't yet reached the critical mass. We haven't yet reached our South Africa movement. The, the, the second we reach that, the second there are enough people putting enough pressure on their governments, on their, on, on their companies to boycott Israel, on their governments to sanction Israel, the moment that happens, 
we are definitely at, at the cusp of a historical change of how the world perceives this so-called conflict. So for that to happen, we can't despair. We have to continue doing precisely what we are doing. We have to reach grassroots civil societies. We have to work with indigenous people, with marginalized people, with minorities. These are the real allies of the Palestinian people. These are allies who will not sell you. These are people who are always trying to find common, common grounds. That's where inter- intersectionality is absolutely essential to the Palestinian struggle. A lot of people clearly have been doing their job as far as connecting with these numerous networks that exist around the world. And what we see today, what we see with this rising solidarity for Palestine, it is not a spur of the moment. It's not just because Israel is killing Palestinians, but because of the massive network that we have been building slowly throughout the days and weeks and years. And it's all coming to fruition as we speak.